Boom! Ooh, what up, ladies and gents? We get to talk about my favorite topic, marketing, on my favorite day of the week, SHIT. So, so happy, happy it's Thursday. Thursday. Here we go. Shut, Shut up, up and sit down. down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Yeah, <laughs> it's time for James to drop the heat. Dropping that heat. All right, all you business pros out there before we jump into the show just a quick reminder as always please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today give us a like give us a follow subscribe and drop a review help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings we'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it and if you want to be a guest on the show we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well go to www.businessbros.biz to schedule your time slot don't forget to follow us on all our social media at business bros pod all right, everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring yet another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Our guest today is an expert writer and self-publisher. Over his 12-year career in marketing, our guest has turned his passion for the written word into a tried and true method of making money for his clients. He understands the struggles of small businesses and equally knows how important it is for emerging companies to have profitable marketing resources readily available. What began as a full-service independent book publisher evolved into a powerhouse for effective social media strategy, digital marketing, organic persona building, aka branding, and of course, some PR. Tune in to hear how our guests can help you get the recognition you want for your business. Joining us today from Anchors to Dusk Media, welcome to the show, Joseph Federico! Boom, 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 boom. boom. Let's do this thing. All right, Joseph. Welcome to the program. It's time to start talking some marketing stuff. Uh, First and foremost, I love to start at the beginning and just let people know what is it that you're selling? I am selling the organic voice and persona building. Um, I have over, as James had said, you guys had said over 12 years of experience, you know, going on 13, actually a little bit over 14 years of experience, really trying to build and building the organic brand successfully for companies, small businesses, you know, Fortune 500s and so on. I want to know uh, organic, right? So there's a lot of talk right now uh, with Apple pulling out of Facebook, essentially, right? We're changing uh, our, our organic reach isn't as nice as it used to be on Facebook and Instagram. That just keeps going backwards and backwards and backwards. You're having to pay more and more for that exposure that you're looking for. What do you mean when you're talking about organic and how can we take advantage of that? Sure. So organic means, you know, no follow farms. No, you know, hiring like overseas companies, which, you know, it still happens. And that is okay in quotation marks, but organic meaning, you know, we are pushing harder and harder to try to peel the onion back, you know, guys, and try to, you know, make yourself sound as transparent and human as possible. And it's hard and it is getting harder with Apple pulling out of Facebook and Facebook pulling out of Instagram and, um, you know, watching all these documentaries, even like as of, as late as last week, I watched um, Fake Famous on Hulu and 
it was about these people trying to become these influencers. And two out of the three people who were these fake influencers, these kind of, you know, test subjects pulled out of the project because they weren't being perceived as organic and transparent and would rather, I wouldn't say struggle, but they would rather connect with their audience and brands in an organic, transparent human way. And that's what I do. I, I specialize in that. All right, dude, I had this guy on the show not too long ago, and he was talking about uh, the way you earn money, right? Uh, so so developing different income streams. And he said something that stuck with me forever. He's like, look, uh, if you were making, uh, I don't know, $300,000 a year, but you were busting your ass every single day, I mean, working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, like it was just bone crushing work, but you were making that kind of money and you had the choice to drop down, maybe only making $200,000 a year, but you were selling cat dildos, which would you choose? Right. And, and the reason why I bring this up is because, you know, understanding the difference between having the fake followers or fake famous versus becoming actual famous, you know, the end result comes down to, are you selling anything? It's one thing to have a, a vanity metric on your sure. Instagram or whatever. The other thing is, can you convert? And for me, it's like, well, if I paid for that following, but it's converting versus if I grew it organically and it's converting, what's the difference? Well, people as in brands are cracking down left and right and brands still aren't converting and bots are getting shut down, which leads to the influencers getting shut down. And it really is about busting your ass. I mean, I hate to say it, but I come from a really like meager beginning. And I, you know, I worked in publishing, you know, busting my, you know, what, and I, I don't think there really is a difference. I mean, like right now it's just, it's just about working hard and, and, you know, people don't realize that. Um, even last night I was reading a, uh, like an article on CNN where they were selling a marketing class for like, like $29 or $30 to have this 20 hour course and access to all these platforms to become, you know, this marketer, but it takes years of skill set. You have to dedicate and then you have to educate yourself on what you're doing for your clients, but also for your brand, if that makes sense. Dude, that totally makes sense. Uh, I've been in this in this game in this podcasting space almost three years now, right? And uh, I, and I talk to other podcasters and other other people who've been behind the mic for even longer years, right? Sure. And and part of it is figuring out how my system works, right? So how do I get somebody on the show? What works for me for booking and my follow-up emails and the additional content that we send out? All those things are things I'm developing for me. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing about it, developing those skills and putting in that work is once I figure it out for myself, now I have something that's proven that people have seen, you know, 689 episodes in people know that what I'm doing is not the rookie move. It's an experience move. And I think that brings yeah. a lot more validation to what you're doing. That's the work that you're talking about. I'm assuming, right? Absolutely. And then as you had said, the proof is in the pudding. And I know that you had said that you guys also do this. I don't suggest anything to my clients that I haven't tried myself mm -hmm. ever. For instance, a year ago, right before COVID hit, which is a whole other conversation, which we can get into if you would like, um, just you know, shoot the questions at me. But I really got involved with IGTV off of Instagram, and I was going to try it out for a client prior to, to you know sharing my skill set, my you know background in writing, so forth and so on. My 
professional page, which is right there, Joseph A. Federico on Instagram, um, went from a pretty meager, you know, engagement rate to three to an increase in 300% in engagement in less than six days, just by going on a camera and recording myself talking about tactics and marketing and people ate that up. And now I literally teach courses in how to create the perfect IGTV channel and so much more because you have to get in front of a camera, but I try that out myself. Well, let's talk, let, let's talk a little bit about Instagram for, for a minute, because, you know, I'm focusing my attention on trying to grow my Instagram and I'll be honest, like figuring that stuff out is like trying to oh. learn to, 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 yeah, to read Chinese and I speak English, right? It's, it's time. I'll do it myself. And yeah. that's exactly what I'm at, right? I'm like Thanos right now. I'm just, I'm just trying to find all these infinity stones and trying to figure out how this algorithm works. And I'm trying all kinds of stuff. I'm trying out, you know, different Canva stuff. I'm trying out videos. I'm trying out different kinds of formats. Like, help me out here. What, what have you found that that works? What are some some practical, tactical things that people can do to help grow their Instagram? So again, I'm a huge advocate, guys, of being as organic as possible. Get in front of the camera, and the beauty of that is you could record yourself first on your phone or your tablet or your TV, okay? And you can delete and edit, record, add music. Um, make sure that you have an, like this, this, um, this character arc of, of who you are and who you want to be starting from your first post until your last post. But go beyond that. Take... 10 minutes out of your day or your weekend, if you're, you know, like watching TV or doing this, spend time on your persona brand first, go in front of the camera, change shirts. No one's going to know that you aren't going live, that you, you know, spent 10, 20, 30 minutes, you know, recording these videos of yourself. Be organic. Canva works for ads. You have to grow your Instagram organically. And again, over 300% in six days, just by getting on a camera and sharing your story. Give people what they want. Give them some behind the scenes options of what your life is like. So for instance, you guys maybe take pictures and I know that you guys do, but just for instance, of you writing a script for the next show or give people some insights on what they can expect in the next few episodes. Tease people and use your hashtags. Hashtags are huge. There are many, many, many free and also paid, but I, you know, use both for my clients and myself um, on which hashtags to use best. And that really starts that conversation and be engaging um, right back to your fans, right back to your clients, right back and like and share and post and comment, um, you know, pretty constantly. And the growth will be slow at first, but it will take off, I promise you. It, you know, it's funny that the whole comment thing and, and engagement um, this weekend, I went back to work on my Instagram, which is something that I haven't done. And it's, and it's funny that I say it like that, but literally, I mean, I spent in, in, you know, I was sitting down watching some TV stuff with the kids, but I wasn't really watching the TV stuff. 
I'm sitting on my phone and I'm literally going to a hashtag, right? So I'll put like hashtag podcast, for example, and I'll just go through every, and this is like, I'm talking millions of posts on that hashtag, right? Cause it's very generic. Yeah. And I'm literally going through, through that feed. And, and all I'm doing is like commenting and liking and, and, and sending DMs through that, through this, through those uh, specific posts. Cause there are people who are in the podcast space similar to me, right? Exactly. So I, I engage with them. I engage with them. You know, I spent maybe an hour, hour and a half doing, Doing that and my following grew another like 10 15 people just by doing that work by and being, it's work though it's work consistent. you have to be consistent about it you know um and you really should funnel out your hashtags you know see what's working sometimes you know um on mobile you could do the pound symbol the head the you know hashtag symbol and start typing in a word it will show you what's currently saturated or oversaturated and those are the hashtags you want to use in your posts. And be, be you know, 100% consistent on using those on all of your posts so your story folds into the people that are looking at what your content may be going forward as well. So what excites you most right now in the marketing space? I mean, there's so many things that we can go into. You can go into blogs. You can go into YouTube shorts. <laughs> you can go into IGTV, like all kinds of different things. What, what really has got you going right now that you're like, this is the next thing or this is the thing I should be focusing my attention on? Um, for brands and for like small business owners, so forth and so on, really big right now. And, I'm, and I was writing about it, again, right before COVID hit. Uh, you know, blogging about it on Medium and for my own, you know, website, again, to try things out for myself and to learn them prior to going on the show like this, for instance, and talking about it. So nostalgia marketing is huge. It's being used in Instagram. It's being used in Facebook and it's being used in Twitter. So big brands are doing it. I saw Doritos 3D came back with like a 90s kind of grunge ad. Um, Budweiser's going back to the 80s. Burger King's going back old school to the seventies of their old original branding from, you know, from those times and time periods. Um, we want to be coddled, right? So let's switch gears for a moment. I'm going to change hats from professional to consumer because I'm also a big consumer and I want to know what brands are up to and how brands can help me feel better during a really huge time in not just, you know, the history in America, but global history with this global pandemic. So I want to feel coddled. I want to feel safe. I want to go back to a really important time in my life where I felt like I was the king of the world, right? In order to then translate my views into becoming um, a purchaser or mm. a, a consumer. So nostalgia marketing, I'm so excited about. It. I'm seeing brands left and right working on really big ad spend on these campaigns, not only in advertising, but with marketing. And I try to do that myself with my dub smash or my TikTok or my Instagram pages. Um, just throw it back and make people feel good. And that's what I try to tell my clients is they, you know, build it and they will come. And now it's blowing up all over the place. Dude, I, it's funny that you talk about the whole nostalgia thing. I, I just started reading a book called Z Economy, and it's about how Generation Z has affected already uh, major shifts in, in our economy. And, and I'm, the reason I'm reading about it is because I really want to fine tune my thought process on why are people making the decisions that they're making. And and you, you mentioned COVID, and in the book they're talking about how COVID is one of those defining moments in Generation Z. Absolutely. Um, the oldest people in Generation Z uh, 
are the ones that actually they're like 25 now, by the way. So for those of you who think it's like the little kids, they're, they're yeah, 25 no, they're now. Kids anymore. <laughs> right? But but they're the ones who COVID really affected them. They lost jobs. They had to move back home. They didn't get the college experience. All these things are shaping the way we, we are, we are uh, they're going to interact and how they're going to interact in the future. But at the same time, it talks about how the previous generations are kind of playing into how they raised Gen Z and, and how, how those older generations are defining moment, for example, is 9-11. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but for me, it was 9-11, right? That, I, was, I was 19, 20 years old when that happened and how that had really affected my, my uh, future going forward, my sense of being an American. So when you're talking about that nostalgic feeling, some of these transitional major events in life, 9-11, the major recession in 2007, 2008, like those things are big factors that we can look back to and say, what was going on? What were the pivotal moments that were going on in that history that we can pull from for that nostalgia? Do you, do you agree? A, a thousand percent. Go back to our grandparents, you know, maybe with like World War II, all the advertising and marketing was this Americana, for instance, right? And they wanted you to feel like a sense of pride for your country and this and that. That's happening again. You know, history definitely repeats itself, especially in the world of advertising, marketing, so forth and so on. And I agree a thousand percent with you because it's a defining moment, but it's working. You bet I went out to go buy a case of Budweiser, a can of uh, Doritos, you know, 3D, because I wanted to feel youthful again. I wanted to feel important. And that's what these brands are trying to do. And they're succeeding. And it's not only the large brands that I mentioned, it's, it's a lot of the other smaller brands too, are just catching on. They're like, Oh my gosh, this works. And I can't instill upon it, you know, um, upon this topic um, enough that you need to connect with your audience, not only with the story, but you have to bring them back to a place in time where they felt safe. Mm -hmm. And it was post on 11. It was, you know, post the wars and now it's post while well, we're almost kind of sort of not really out of COVID and that's not going to go anywhere. Brands should be working on their marketing tactics in regard to nostalgia for years to come. Well, not just, not just the nostalgia, but really what we're talking about here is laser focusing each marketing campaign, each ad to a specific generation, right? Yeah, the absolutely. 3D, the 3D uh, Doritos and, you know, the Budweiser campaigns, they're not going to work for the fresh 21 year olds, right? But if you, I saw a TikTok the other day that was super awesome. It was like the, the guy went to go buy a beer or something. And they're like, can I see your ID? He pulls up his ID and they're like, oh, you're good. And he's like, you didn't want to see? He's like, no, you were born in the 1900s. You're, yeah. you're good, right? That kind of feeling though, that going to be laser targeted to a specific type of audience. Absolutely. That, and, and, and the commercial for the kid that's, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, that's a completely different marketing campaign, right? Exactly. You know, go back to, you know, publishing, for instance, let's kind of go kind of change gears on just my end and my background, you know, coming from publishing. So for instance, I'm a big horror fan. Think of like R.L. Stein, okay? Mm. And his books in the 80s and the early 90s were the Goosebumps series. He literally shifted his focus to bring those consumers, you know, back then when the parent purchased the book or you went to like a a scholastic book fair, which, you know, that's a whole nother OG baby. OG, again, like the OG, <laughs> like you got like $5, you bought like 10 books, you went home and you read them and you put them in your little library. You know what I mean? You're like little Clifford library or something like that. So he then, and his team, of course, his, his marketing team and his writing team 
shifted gears and evolved the stories in the books to keep that same consumer group, the kids that were into the horror and into the goosebumps and watching the movies. Um, he just rewrote those stories for adults and he just kept going and going and going. And I'm still reading R.L. Stein. I'm taking an R.L. Stein masterclass on masterclass.com from him 20, 30 years later because mm. I read his books. So, I mean, like it works for, you know, marketing tactics as well, of course. Oh yeah, and you can see it across across uh, all kinds of industries. I mean, when you were talking about the movies, the first thing that popped in my head is Disney's been remaking everything into live action, right? Exactly. So the live action is awesome for the new generation, but it's very nostalgic. When I go and watch Aladdin, the remake, I'm like, oh, I remember when I was here, and like it totally brings me back to that comfort. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're kind of rebuilding and remaking. So if we're, if we're thinking of it from, from that point of view, where we're kind of pulling from that, what are some things that we, like some ideas for pieces of content that we can pull upon or, 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 or bring into our, our, uh, our repertoire. So that kind of helps in, increase engagement, maybe, uh, you know, grow our followings or use that, that type of information to, to really push a message that we want, or at least give us the exposure we're looking for. It's all about storytelling. We talked about books. We talked about marketing. We talked about Doritos. There's a story behind each and every one of those tactics, you know, mm -hmm. and if you don't expose those and you're not transparent enough, you're going to lose the followership. You're going to lose the engagement and you're not going to build up your clientele base. If you're a marketer or if you're, you know, a, a, a brand, smaller, large, medium sized, what have you, you're going to lose out. So you need, you need to be transparent and you, you need to keep your story consistent 24 seven. And when we talk story brand, I mean, I, I love the Donald Miller stuff. Uh, he does he does some really good uh, some content uh, in his book, Story Brand, right? Building a Story Brand. Some great uh, templates there to help build a story brand. But when you're talking about creating a story, like on Instagram, is this a professional story? Should I be mixing my like my business bros with my personal life, or do I keep it completely you know one sided? How how should I have a good mix there? I was hoping you would ask me this because I have people that are unpaid clients at the moment that may, you know, become paid clients. I offer free advice all the time because I want people to succeed. And I did this myself. Again, I never offer any advice until I know that my tactic worked on myself, my own persona, my own brand. So um, 2000, I mean, maybe like two, three years ago, I shifted my personal Instagram into a professional Instagram and I rebranded myself. So I started up a new personal page or, you know, platform where it was only like my food, family, you know, what I ate that day, my, my sneakers. And I, I, you know, funneled down my persona brand. So you really should be splitting that and keeping your story consistent. Now, of course, there, there could be, you know, other funnels that you use in your personal brand. Think of your like top three likes. So my, you know, for instance, you know, if I pull it up on the screen, I'm a marketer. I also like to cook and I like um, old time furniture or history and try to funnel those and bring those three key topics, for instance, to funnel them into your story and make them consistent throughout. But keep your personal life personal and you can share that. But as a professional, I would definitely split the two and make that as easy as possible to, you know, to transition as well.
So what you're what you're talking about, if I if I'm understanding you correctly, you're talking about having a couple pillars, right? These are the the core things that you stand for. These are the exactly. core things that your business stands for, and focus your attention on having those pieces of content for each one of those pillars, and you can mix between those. Am I am I hearing you correctly? Yes, correct. But keep more of the personal stuff, you know, personal and private, and don't share those as much on your pro pages. Um, so again. I try to tie all those things back, like the cooking, the old time, you know, furniture and history, but I tie it back to marketing and with other tactics right now that's working, the nostalgia stuff, kind of like, you know, clueless 90s throwback is very big right now in marketing and branding. I try to tie all those things back to the main pillar, which is marketing and branding. How do we in, in I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of push this a little bit. So it's one thing to have engagement, but there's some other stuff that's really cool metric wise when you look at things like Instagram and Facebook. Instagram mainly is what I'm focusing on right now, but there's that little arrow and that little like flag, right? In other words, this is when somebody shares something or, or places you know sends it to somebody else or they save it. How important is it for you to create content that people are sending out, that are people are, are are DMing and sharing each other and saving? How does that affect you in, in Instagram's algorithm? You know, it really doesn't at the moment. It's more about the consistency and sharing a story 24-7. But I do go back maybe once a month. You know, if I start with the client, for instance, I take, I I measure out, for instance, you know, what is going on prior to me coming in. And then after six weeks, because it takes about six weeks or so, really eight weeks to bring a new marketer in or a new voice or a new persona to fold that in. Um, but I'd focus on the engagement and the insights, you know, kind of um, tab on on Instagram to make sure that that percentage is increasing, if that makes sense as well. Yeah, it totally does. Well, let's talk about some of those insights. So the insights actually open up and they tell you how much reach you got. They tell you how many people have clicked on your link. They tell you how many people have, uh, how many followers you've required from that particular post. Exactly. Uh, and, and when you're looking at those metrics, you start, you start to really pay attention to the, to the short little bit of information that you have on Instagram, which is your bio. Uh, how can you share some, some good tips and advice to have on that bio so that, you get the most out of your Instagram uh, engagement or your sure. reach. So, you know, and I also try to evolve my bio maybe like once every four to six months because you have to keep it fresh. You have to keep it real. You have to be transparent and your pillars can also change. So I would definitely try to use, I mean, um, not your whole bio should not be like emojis because emojis are kind of being phased out right now. But I would definitely keep your pillars like hashtag history, hashtag marketing, hashtag, you know, keep those pillars fresh and clean, but also, be, you know, be transparent about your past and about where you're going with your future as far as your pillars and your interests. Um, and definitely keep um, under the bio, you can put your link or, you know, your like link tree. Try to do one, you know, consistent website where all your information is in one place because people don't want to be clicking around the internet trying to find out who you are. I love that whole concept of the link tree. Uh, I saw a TikTok that uh, that said, "Hey, you can create a link tree or a program just like link tree using your Canva, right?" And I was like, "Ooh, that's cool!" And I went on there and I started creating it. And then I thought, "You're an idiot, dude! You got ClickFunnels. Make your own link tree." And so I did. I have one simple landing page, and it yeah, has ClickFunnels is is unbelievable with uh, Russell Brunson and you know Jim Edwards and his whole team. I mean, the whole thing is genius. And you can create 
by using other people's templates that are for free and that you can pay for, but they don't, they do all the work for you. Um, so definitely keep it as tight as possible, as transparent as possible as well. All right. Somebody engages with us on social media. They like what they see. They click on our links. What about when they leave social media to come and see us? What kind of, you know, speaking of click funnels, how simple or how, how many landing pages should I have? What should that look like when they, when somebody actually likes what we have to offer and then leaves to come visit us? I would keep the pages as simple as possible, maybe between three and five. People don't want to keep clicking. They do. And I've seen geniuses as well. And I'm learning more about this as we're going along too, because I would like to be as educated as possible to work for myself, to work for my clients, to make them, you know, not only rich, but also very successful. So they can also teach other people. And once they leave me, then they can also know how to fish, if you will. So I would keep it as short as possible, as sweet as possible on your landing pages, within your funnel, keep them to bullet points tease them, but also make sure that they click at the end and check out. Always, mm. always. Simple, simple conversion tools, right? Always, right? always be converting, but always be as you know tight as you can, so. Yeah, I mean, that's the key. That's the key, <laughs> trying to, and, and, and stay fresh. It's okay to try new things. We've gone through a number of different landing pages, trying things out. And as you learn something, as you try something, you see whether it works or it doesn't, go ahead and modify and adapt. That's okay. It's You're in control of whatever you're doing. That's the beauty exactly. of ClickFunnels, right? You can create some more stuff. All right, we're hitting uh, close to our time. Dude, time flies when you're having fun, huh? Know, <laughs> it just <I> blew by. <laughs> All right, uh, before we head out, let people know how they can get a hold of you. You've, you've given them so much valuable information today. If they want to reach out to you, they want to have a conversation with you, how can they get a hold of you? So sure. So um, not everybody does this, but you can certainly shoot me a text or set up a free 15-minute consultation by texting or calling me at 973-289-3517. Hit my Instagram, Joseph A. Federico, and follow along across all of my social media platforms with the hashtag Joseph A. Federico. All right, Joseph, you deal with a lot of uh, marketing people, a lot of different things you've seen and been on a lot of different podcasts. What do you think of your experience on the Business Bros? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was very intriguing and they're not really questions that I had heard before. So, I mean, it was really re refreshing to hear and to, to interact with you guys. So thank you so much. What about uh, what about uh, everything, the, the experience of booking and the emails that you get, text messages? How, how, what did you feel about you know, being our professional look as far as engaging with you once you booked on the show? I felt like I was a bro. I mean, like in a very positive manner. You guys had helped me out. I was one of the first people that you had you know, created those graphics for and the content, and I felt very invited. Nice, dude. Well, you were definitely it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day. Thanks, Sean. RIP, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, thank, thank you, you so very much. much. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show and sharing so much information. I mean, I, like I said, I had fun. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about. So thank Me you very too. much. Me too. My pleasure. All right, ladies and gents, that's it, right? That's, that's, the, that's the ball game right there. You need to get out of your shell. Put the camera on, turn the microphone on, and start making content. Yes, I'm going to tell you right now, you suck when you first start. It happens, but that's okay. Get out there and keep doing it anyways. And if you need help, you can reach out to Joseph. He's going to help you out and do some stuff and, and get you where you need to be. You can reach out for, uh, to us. We're going to help you with your content as well. Uh, it's, it's really quick and easy. If you don't want to do it yourself, you just got to pay for it. But I honestly recommend that you go out and you start your own stuff. Just go. 
hit the record button, start. It's not going to be that great. And my, my, my suggestion is you start with stories, right? They're going to be there for 24 hours and then they're gone. But you build the confidence. You get the nerve to hit that go button and you start to develop the skills that you need to better talk about your product or service. You're in business, ladies and gents. That means that you have to get in front of people and tell them what it is you do. If you don't, you become invisible. Stay visible. Put out the content. Do what you need to do. Get in front of those people. Tell them what you do. All right, ladies and gents, we'll see you again next week. Enjoy the rest of your SHIT. So happy it's Thursday. We'll see you again mañana. Peace. We're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.